Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. The snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up. No good. Wide right. Wide right. The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. Jubilation for the Chiefs sideline. 143 to go. Bass missing wide right from 44. Ah, the great Kevin Harlan via Westwood One. Heard right here on WSBT Radio. Another heartbreak for the Buffalo Bills as the Kansas City Chiefs knock them out again. Third time the Chiefs have eliminated the Bills from the postseason. This time in Buffalo, 27-24. And oh, by the way, the Bills made a trade with the Chiefs setting up Kansas City to select Patrick Mahomes out of Texas Tech. So that little trade has come back to haunt Buffalo in more ways than one. I welcome you to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you had a terrific weekend. Eight minutes after 5 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. A reminder, winter weather advisory still in effect for all of Michiana until 1 o'clock tomorrow. Tonight, a 100% chance of freezing rain. We've got some light ice accumulation possible, a low of 30 degrees. And then tomorrow, 80% chance of freezing rain, becoming rain, a high of 36 degrees. As you can probably imagine, it is a little slick out there, so be extra careful heading home or getting out and about today, especially 
on the sidewalks. We've got two hours of sports talk coming your way on WSBT Radio. Then at 7 o'clock, it is Cavemen Corner, an inside look at Mishawaka High School Athletics. That's from 7 until probably right around 7.30, 7.45 here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up on the program this evening, we have our hat trick of opening topics, which will kick off the program. We've got Tyler Horka joining me at the bottom of the hour, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Of course, we're talking Notre Dame football. Twitter question of the day results from Friday, and today's question is posted at 960 Sportsbeat on Twitter X. In the 6 o'clock hour, we've got an award-winning broadcaster join the program, WNDU's Terry McFadden. From the NBC affiliate here in South Bend, he's going to join me because he is a massive Detroit sports fan and a big-time Detroit Lions fan, and he watched his Lions edge a little closer to the Super Bowl by beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yesterday, we'll talk to Terry about the Lions, about his love for the Detroit Tigers, and how he got into the clinching Game 5 of the 1984 World Series at Tiger Stadium. It's a good story. All that and more coming up with Terry in the 6 o'clock hour. I've got my top five storylines from the NFL Divisional Playoff Round. And our sports wagering segment will wrap up the program. Eight-pack of picks on Friday. Went 4-4. Four and four. Nothing spectacular. We lost a couple of bucks along the way. We'll try to bounce back with two college basketball picks tonight, an NBA and an NHL. We're winding down the time of the year where not a whole lot of football to wager on. We have just three games left. We have the AFC and NFC championship games right here on WSBT Radio Sunday. And eventually we get to the Super Bowl out in Las Vegas. All right, let's get the program started. Before we get to our hat trick of opening topics, a couple of storylines to follow. It looks like former Irish quarterback, and former offensive coordinator Tommy Reese is going to take a big step forward to his ultimate goal of being an NFL offensive coordinator. According to various reports, Tommy Reese is going to be hired as the Cleveland Browns tight end coach. Cleveland uses their tight end a lot in their system, as David Joku was a major force for the Browns this year, who were an 11-6 football team. Joku second on the team in receiving yards with 882, led them in receptions with 81, and had six touchdown passes. We all know here in South Bend, Tommy Reese utilized the tight end in his offense, now apparently going to the NFL to coach tight ends for the Cleveland Browns. NFL Network, I believe, had this first. The Chicago Bears are going to hire former Seahawks offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. He has spent the last three years as Seattle's offensive coordinator. He comes from the West Coast offense tree. He has worked for Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers, and Sean McVay, head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. So you should expect a heavy dose of running game coming your way in Chicago, the play-action pass, is very important in the West Coast offense. Does this fit Justin Fields? Might take a little work. 
Are they showing their hand that they're moving on from Justin Fields by bringing in a West Coast offense, offensive coordinator from the outside looking in? My gut tells me yes. We will find out soon enough if Justin Fields will run this offense. Maybe Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. It's going to be an interesting draft process for the Chicago Bears with the number one pick in the NFL draft. Also, some discouraging news today. We wish nothing but the best to Hall of Fame Chicago Cubs second baseman Ryan Sandberg. He has announced on social media that he has been diagnosed with metastatic prostate cancer. He has just started treatments. So, Rhino, all the best to you and your family. Let's beat this and get you back near the game of baseball very, very soon. Had the great honor to work with Ryan Sandberg when the 2019 Midwest League All-Star Game was here in South Bend. He was the featured speaker. And when I broadcasted the All-Star Game, he sat in for an inning, and it was so cool to spend time with Rhino. So, Rhino, let's beat this and get you back to the diamond very, very soon. Okay, now let's get to some topics to kick off the program here on WSBT Radio. 514 is our time. I just wanted to take a look at where Marcus Burton stands right now compared to former Irish freshman point guards. Marcus Burton, the Mr. Basketball player out of Penn High School, playing for the Fighting Irish, a major part of this Fighting Irish basketball team's offense as this team... Looks for more offensive weapons. Burton has been reliable during his freshman campaign. So just for fun, I wanted to see where Marcus stacks up with other freshman point guards at Notre Dame. I picked four. You could probably make an argument. I could have used some different guys, but I went with these four. So I'm taking a look at Marcus Burton's numbers compared to David Rivers, who played with the Irish from 1984. Or his freshman year. Let me say it that way. His freshman year was 84-85. Chris Thomas, his freshman campaign in South Bend, 0-1-0-2. Torrey Jackson, 0-6-0-7. And the local product, Demetrius Jackson, 2013 and 2014. Now, Jackson and Jackson both did not have the playing time that Burton is getting right now as a freshman. So their numbers look a little different. But it's interesting, Burton matches up in a lot of ways with these other great Fighting Irish point guards. Burton right now averaging 16.3 points per game. That is the highest point per game average of the other four I'm comparing him to. David Rivers was at 15.9. Now, if there was a three-point shot, he probably would have averaged a tad bit more, but 15.9. Chris Thomas averaged 15.6 his freshman year. Torrey Jackson, 7.8. Demetrius Jackson, 6.0. Assists, the best of the five was Chris Thomas. Thomas did a great job of distributing the basketball. Even though he was highly criticized for taking too many shots, he still averaged 7.6 assists per ballgame. Among the five, Torrey Jackson was second at 4.3. David Rivers, third at 4.2. Then Burton falls in line at 3.9. If Burton had more consistent offensive players around him, chances are he'd be up around five, six assists a game. But right now at 3.9, Demetrius Jackson was at 1.8 his freshman year. Rebounding, even though Burton listed at 5'11", maybe he's 5'9". 
He's doing a pretty good job on the glass. Of the five players we're comparing, Chris Thomas led the way again at 3.5, Burton at 3.4, Tory Jackson 3.3, David Rivers 2.6, and DJ 2.1. Field goal percentage, these five guys are pretty much the same player. Demetrius Jackson and David Rivers as freshmen had the best field goal percentage of the five at 42%. Torrey Jackson and Marcus Burton at 41%. And Chris Thomas at 38%. And the final comparison from the three-point line, we cannot use David Rivers. There was no three-point shot then. So Chris Thomas and Demetrius Jackson have the best three-point percentages of the other four that we are talking about. DJ was at 41.7% from three as a freshman. Chris Thomas, 36.9. Marcus Burton at 29.9. And Torrey Jackson, 24.1. So you talk about some of the really good young freshman point guards that Notre Dame has had. Marcus Burton's stats line up with the likes of David Rivers, Chris Thomas, Torrey Jackson, and Demetrius Jackson. It's been a long time since the Irish played. A week ago tonight, they lost in Chestnut Hill to Boston College. They finally get back on the floor Wednesday night against a Final Four team from last year, the Miami Hurricanes. That game Wednesday night, 7 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage will start at 6.30. The second topic tonight centers around the Detroit Lions. Folks, they are one win away from their first ever Super Bowl. They were a dominant team in the 1950s before the Super Bowl era, winning four NFL championships in the 50s. Over the last 30 years, there have not been many highs for this franchise. The fan base has been waiting for a season like this. Three years ago yesterday, the Lions introduced Dan Campbell as their head coach, and he had a memorable couple of lines in that press conference. Here's what I do know is that this team is going to take on the identity of this city. All right. And the city's been been down and it found a way to get up. All right. It's found a way to uh, overcome adversity. All right. And so this team's going to be built on uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth. All right. And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. All right, and we're going to stand up, and then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down. All right, and on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap, and we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before before long, we're going to be the last one standing. Well, the Lions' ownership has stabilized this franchise. They hired Brad Holmes as their general manager. That was a very important piece of the puzzle. And they brought Dan Campbell in to be head coach, a guy who has never been a coordinator at the NFL level, spent a little time as an interim head coach. He learned a lot from Sean Payton down in New Orleans. The Lions went with Campbell, and even without that coordinator experience, he's doing what great head coaches do. They show great leadership, very, very organized. They have a plan. They make the players believe in it. And we're seeing it unfold in front of our very eyes right now. The Lions, if they can beat San Francisco in the NFC Championship game on Sunday, they'll get to their first ever Super Bowl. And how cool 
would that be for the fine folks in the Motor City and all the Lions fans around the country? Just one win, 60 minutes away from the Super Bowl. Lions are right around a six-and-a-half-point dog against the 49ers, but if you watch the Niners-Packers game, there's no reason why Detroit cannot win this game. I know Jared Goff outside of Ford Field, the numbers are not nearly as good, but Brock Purdy looked a little shaky. Debo Samuel, one of their great offensive weapons, is questionable for the game with an injury. Maybe Detroit can go in there and get the job done. That would be pretty cool. But Dan Campbell, three years ago yesterday, introductory press conference. Yesterday, he got the Lions to the NFC Championship. Our third and final hat trick of opening topic for tonight, Indiana has become reckless. The Hoosier basketball team has a problem. It's almost an over-aggressive problem. They're not very basketball smart at times. On Friday... Indiana lost at Wisconsin 91 to 79. That is the 20th consecutive loss for Indiana at the Kohl Center. Think about that. 20 straight losses by this once proud program to the same program. Incredible. On top of it, C.J. Gunn was ejected for a flagrant two-foul for throwing an elbow to the face of a Badger player during a stoppage. This is IU's third standard flagrant foul call in the past four games and the second ejection-worthy foul in that stretch. Head coach Mike Woodson, his response, quote, in the heat of battle, Anything is liable to happen. I'm not happy about it. After looking at it, Klesman put his head on his chest and gun through a semi-elbow. I don't think it was something hard that warrants being kicked out of the game. End quote. You make contact with someone's head with an elbow in today's environment. This is going to be the result. Mike's living in the 1970s. So now Indiana, hey, at least they lead the country in something. The Hoosiers have an NCAA best seven flagrant fouls. Congratulations. The seven flagrant fouls come from six different players. IU, five flagrant fouls in the last 11 days are as many as the next highest team has across a full season in Division I college basketball. IU is the only Division I team with multiple flagrant two fouls. During that Wisconsin game, after the incident involving Gunn, the longtime voice of Indiana basketball on the Indiana Radio Network had this to say about his Hoosiers. And I have never said this before in my 51 years behind the microphone at Indiana University, but I am embarrassed for this ball club. Uh, right and now. Not, be, not because of the score. Because of these incidents. That's saying something for Fisher to say that. He's not a guy that is overly willing to be critical at, at certain junctures. Was not critical during the Bob Knight era. But for him to say that, that 
says something. Indiana has a discipline problem, and that starts with the head coach. Yes, players are all responsible for their actions. No question. Not going to argue. But the head coach sets the discipline. Instead, Mike Woodson doesn't think an elbow to the face of an opponent is ejection worthy. Bob Knight was Woodson's head coach. Maybe that has something to do with the way he's handling this. I don't know. But right now, this is an IU program without a direction. They've had a roster malfunction. Their defensive effort is not up to IU standards. I mean, when you thought of IU basketball under Bob Knight, hard-nosed, man-to-man defense. It looks like they're just kind of walking through the park under Mike Woodson this year. This program lost its blue blood status probably 20 years ago. It's just kind of another program now. Heck, Purdue is the cool place to be now in the Big Ten over Indiana. In the state known for racing, Purdue is Penske Racing and IU has become Dale Coyne Racing. It's really not even close. So it's time to stop all this flagrant foul, over-aggressiveness. Mike Woodson needs to take a stand on this. If he needs to start sitting people for a while, so be it. Because I don't think any Hoosier basketball fan appreciates what they have seen, how their team is hurting themselves with low basketball IQ decisions. This doesn't even really feel like an NCAA tournament team. They'll probably figure out a way to sneak in, but this thing just seems to be slipping in an awkward direction. By the way, a guy they used to have, Tamar Bates, now plays for Missouri. He had 36 points over the weekend against Florida. First two years at IU, he scored a total of 339 points in 85 games. He's averaging 13 points per game for the Missouri Tigers. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. We're going to talk Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka coming up next on. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Okay, we're back on the program. 5.49 is your time. All right, our sports beat, InsideIndieSports.com's Twitter question of the day from Friday. My co-host, Wednesdays and Thursdays, Eric Hansen. He's the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, covering Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. On Thursday, he came up with his top five Notre Dame football early enrollees that will have the biggest impact on the 2024 Irish football team. Now on Twitter X, you could only have four choices, so I couldn't go with all five. So of his top four, who do you believe will have the biggest impact? Now this was not a best player list. This is factoring in each player's ability how competitive the depth chart is at that player's position. For example, C.J. Carr, the quarterback in that class, might be the most highly acclaimed player. You could argue. In fact, when Eric and I were having the conversation about these early enrollees, 
I asked him who does he believe will become the best player of all of them at the end of the day, not at the end of this year, but at the end of their career at Notre Dame, and he went with C.J. Carr, the quarterback. So C.J.'s not on this list because of the boatload of players you have right now at the quarterback position. Riley Leonard, Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, C.J. Carr coming in. Next year you got Deuce Knight coming in. So, of Eric's top four, who do you believe will have the biggest impact this year? Your four choices were, and these were the players that Eric put in order from one to four. Wide receiver, Cam Williams. Linebacker, Kingston Villamuasa. Number three, defensive lineman, Bryce Young. And number four, wide receiver, Micah Gilbert. Man, Young and Gilbert were on the same high school team. Holy cow. Okay, so you voted. Here are the results. Coming in fourth place, getting 2.8% of the vote, wide receiver Micah Gilbert. An outside wide receiver player. There are jobs to be had in the outside wide receiver spot, so you have to put Micah in the conversation. That's why Eric had him up in his top four. Highly skilled route runner, probably ahead of the norm for his age. So that's why Micah could be a factor. Third place in our voting, getting 6.4% of the vote, defensive lineman Bryce Young. Young out of the North Carolina area. A defensive end coming to Notre Dame. He's got the build if Notre Dame ever wanted him to be an interior defensive lineman. He could work his body into that type of role. This is a multifaceted player, and he is going to be a difference maker for this program at some point, maybe sooner rather than later. All right, second place in our voting of the early enrollees who will have the biggest impact on this year's team. Getting 37.7% of the vote, wide receiver Cam Williams. If you're into that star thing, the kid from Chicago is a five-star. He is explosive. Watching his high school tape, it really stands out. Great hands, unbelievable athleticism and speed. Cam Williams and the guy who got first, honestly, rather than... Trying to pick between those two. They could have been 1A and 1B. Because you can see both of these guys impacting next year's team. But winning the vote and getting a slight majority. 53.2% went with linebacker Kingston Villamaasa. You watch his high school tape, friends. And boy, does it pop. Sideline to sideline pursuer of the football Great physicality for a high school senior. Watching him play with his physicality, his size already, he looks like he's ready for big-time college football. High football IQ, this is the full package. KVA, Drake Bowen, the middle of that linebacking core, is young but appears to be in great shape for the next couple of years with J.D. Bertrand moving on. KVA and Bowen will be battling for playing time this year. So, the player you believe that will have the biggest impact on next year's team among the early enrollees, yes, sir, you went with KVA, the linebacker, getting 
53.2% of the vote. We thank you for voting. That was a fun question to ask on our Twitter X account at 960Sportsbeat. Today's question went up earlier this afternoon. It involves the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears quarterback depth chart in 2024 will, the next two words in capital letters, most likely feature fill in the blank. Choice number one, current quarterback Justin Fields. But remember the Irish, the Irish, the Bears have the number one pick in the NFL draft thanks to that trade last year with the Carolina Panthers. So they could go for a rookie quarterback and ship fields off for more draft capital. Choice number two, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, the player projected to be the number one pick in the draft. Just announced he's heading to the draft recently. Your third choice is North Carolina quarterback Drake May, who the Irish have seen up close and personal. This would be the second time in a handful of years that maybe the Irish, why do I keep saying the Irish? The Bears would take a North Carolina quarterback. The last one, Mitchell Trubisky. Drake May's different. Trubisky hardly played in college. May has a lot of games under his belt. Your fourth choice, the Heisman Trophy winner, whose value seems to be going up. How about LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels? So our Twitter X question of the day, the Chicago Bears depth chart in 2024 will most likely feature Justin Fields, Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels. We would love your vote, your opinion. Drop us a line on my Twitter X account at 960-SPORTSPEED. All right, that's going to do it for the 5 o'clock hour. Still to come, my conversation with award-winning WNDU news anchor Terry McFadden about his Detroit Lions knocking on the door of the Super Bowl. I've got some thoughts on the NFL divisional playoffs and our sports wagering segment all coming up. We've got our Mishawaka High School Athletic Show Cayman Corner coming up at 7 o'clock, live from Monterey Mexican Bar and Grill, right here on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Well, this weekend you'll be able to hear the NFL championship games, including the Detroit lions in San Francisco to take on the 49ers and the Detroit lions are one win away from the Super Bowl. Kind of a dynasty franchise in the 1950s before the Super Bowl. Now they're trying to get to the ultimate game for the first time in franchise history. And I'm bringing on the program, I think it's safe to say, probably the biggest Detroit sports fan that I know here in the South Bend market. You guys know him, Terry McFadden, award-winning broadcaster from WNDU. And of course, he'll be retiring on Friday, March the 1st. So. 
Who knows? He might be celebrating on March the 1st with Lions gear on set as the world <laughs> champions. Well, Terry, first off, congratulations. I know through the years it's not been easy to be a Detroit Lion fan. I think back to the Wayne Fonts era where there was a little magic with the run and shoot and Barry Sanders. But by golly, this is a long time coming. That had to be a sweet victory over Tampa Bay. It, well, Darren, it was, and and the week before was even, I think, a little more magical, beating the guy who was supposed to lead us to the promised land, Matthew Stafford, in uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And I was happy for, for Stafford when he got traded to the to Rams because I thought it was his shot at getting a Super yeah. Bowl ring, and I think, the, I think both teams ended up um, – you know, really benefiting from that trade. Stafford gets a ring. The Lions have a quarterback, it looks like, who could take them uh, uh, to a world title themselves. And they picked up five draft picks in that Stafford deal, and all those players are a big part of this team, including Jameer Gibbs. And I'll tell you what, Terry, Jared Goff has elevated his play. Whomever has helped him in Detroit has turned him, as you mentioned, into a player that sure feels like can lead his team to a championship. I would agree with you. You know, I, I was so upset when the Lions took Jeff Akuda instead of Tua in the draft a few years back. And I, I still wish they would have made that move. And then when they brought Goff in, I think, okay, he's he's kind of an inner in uh, until they until they find a stud. And I think I think Jared Goff has pretty much grown on every Lions fan uh, here and far. Yeah. Terry, it's really interesting to think back three years ago yesterday, Dan Campbell had his introductory press conference as the head coach of the Detroit Lions, and he was talking about chewing on kneecaps. <laughs> and he, he had a very interesting press conference. I don't know, did any group of the Lions fan base realize what they were getting and what might be possible under Dan and the new look front office? I don't think so. Uh, I, I think I don't think there's one person uh, who calls themselves a Lions fan who could have predicted that Dan Campbell would get him in the NFC title game. I, I really don't. You know, things were so bad at that point when they brought Dan in and he was talking about biting kneecaps and stuff. He was like, "Oh, here, you know, it's more, it's just more of a clown show. It's bread and circuses for the people to forget what was really wrong with the with the franchise." Uh, but you know, he relates to those players. He was a player himself, obviously. He was on that 0-16 Lions team. Dan Campbell's the real deal. Now, does he have the uh, coaching acumen of a Bill Belichick or a Bill Parcells? Uh, the verdict's still out on that, but I can tell you what that guy does. He motivates people. He instills belief in players. Yeah. And there's not a player in that locker room who wouldn't run through a wall for that guy or bite an opposing player's kneecap off. Mm. Terry McFadden, award-winning WNDU news anchor, my guest, talking about his Detroit Lions, one win from the Super Bowl. If the late, great Jeff Jeffers was walking into the the newsroom today, would he be cheering for the Detroit Lions? Would he be cheering for you? Absolutely. Good. Absolutely. Um, because, uh, you know, as you know, like yourself, Jeff was a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. Yep. Uh, and so, um, I, my wife is from St. Louis. She's a Cardinals fan. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah she's from Afton, uh, okay. on the South side of, of, of St. Louis. She's a Missouri journalism grad. Uh, her father-in-law 
or excuse me, her stepfather and late mother were as big a Cardinal fans as I've ever met. And, and so it was a weird thing back in 2006 when the Cardinals <laughs> played the Tigers in the World Series because yeah. things were awfully wonky in our house because my oldest son was rooting for the Cardinals, so was my wife. Myself and my two youngest boys were rooting for the Tigers. <laughs> and after the after the Cardinals took the series four games to one, she's like, I hope you're not mad. I said, listen, it, outside the Tigers, the Cardinals are my favorite team because wow. of you, because of the experiences I've had in St. Louis awesome. and Bush Stadium. Uh, and I said, if I'm going to lose to a team in the World Series, let it be the Cardinals and not the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> so you understand the excellence of toasted ravioli then? Apple, t- toasted ravioli, uh, <laughs> gooey butter cake. Oh boy. Uh, oh yeah. I, I've got, I've got the whole, uh, you know, the whole St. Louis bill affair down there. Uh, good stuff. Uh, oh. yeah. The emos, the emos pizza. Yep. I'm a huge fan of the emos pizza. In fact, they're, uh, there's a, a producer who uh, works at the station with me um, whose girlfriend is a Missouri journalism grad. He's a Missouri journalism grad. She's working at KMOP oh. in in St. Louis. She's from St. Louis, and whenever he goes to visit her, she buys him a couple frozen pizzas because he's <laughs> a south side of Chicago. He doesn't like it, and she says, take these to Terry. <laughs> Because she knows how much I love it. So every month or so, I get a couple of frozen Emo's pizzas from St. Louis, courtesy uh, of a Missouri journalism grad who's working at KMOV. I love it. I love it. I got to tell you, Terry, during the 2013 World Series, Cardinals and Rangers, we're in the middle of a Notre Dame football postgame press conference. I can't remember who we were playing, but Jeff was sitting two rows in front of me. And he probably turned around five or six times. What's happening? It was the day that Albert Pujols hit three home runs in the same yeah. World Series game. And here we got this press conference going on. And you know how much he loved Notre Dame football. He kept turning around. Darren, what's happening? What's the score? What's the score? And I'll never, ever forget that. We did. We had some great conversations about the Cardinals through the years. And I know we all miss him to this day. And I think he would really appreciate Marcus Freeman right now terry the irish i think have a very very special coach that gets everything about this university i think he does and 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 what worried me only briefly was when nick saban announced his retirement all of a sudden you see freeman's name pop up i'm like please no not now not now Oh, well, it's it's nice to hear his name. The other people might be interested, but it worked out. We've got Marcus back here in town. And, Terry, as we talk about football, have you allowed yourself to think ahead of what it might be like on Sunday if the Lions win this game? And I would ask you maybe what would be your beverage of choice, and I'll I'll let you know we're sponsored by Budweiser, so maybe not be too specific on your, your choice of drink. <laughs> uh, I, I will say that uh, last night when – Baker Mayfield threw that pick to Mr. Barnes, a Purdue a grad. Yeah. I cracked open a Guinness and poured it and started to celebrate. Nice. Uh, so it would be, it would definitely be something from my homeland. Uh, most, more than likely uh, a cold Guinness. Nice. I actually was going to ask you this next question. Since you love all the Detroit teams, which team, if you could pick one, would you want most 
to win a championship. And then I found out that you were actually in attendance at the 84 World Series when the Tigers clinched the championship against the Padres? I was. Game five. My uh, interesting story, and I don't know how much time you have, so Go I'll try to it. keep it brief. Um, my father, uh, Notre Dame grad, had a childhood friend who worked as an usher at Tiger Stadium. Now, this usher was a huge Notre Dame football fan, and my dad would get him tickets for games. So fast forward to 1984, and this guy calls my dad up, Game three, they're playing the Royals for the ALCS. Mm-hmm. He said, Vic, I got, I got four tickets. You want them? <laughs> we're like, we're there. So we were there when the, when the Tigers clinched the, uh, the, 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 the American League pennant. Um, won nothing over uh, the Royals. So we all rode home happy. So fast forward to game five of – the, uh, the World Series against the Padres, and my dad calls him up and says, hey, Jack, I hate to put you on the spot, but me and the boys were thinking of coming up. Any chance he's like, Vic, I can't get you in. He said, there's not a ticket to be had. They're probably going to clinch tonight. Can't do it. He said, I understand. No problem. Hangs yep. up. Phone rings about five minutes later. He oh, says, no. how, many of, how many are coming? Well, it would be me and, and, and three of my boys. He said, meet me at this gate at this time. So we meet this guy, Jack Southersby. I can use his name now because he's with my father and great beyond. Uh, He lets us – he was kind of like a supervisor of of his section, so nobody was going to question it. Okay. So he leads us in, (laughs) takes us to the right center field bleachers, lower deck, leads us up to the very last row, and there is this area where there are no seats, but you, people could sit there or people could stand there. There was enough room yep. for four, four or five people to stand. He goes, stay here, don't leave. <laughs> so we stood we, we stood up there and watched the whole game. Uh, Kirk Gibson had two home runs. Lance Parrish had a home run. That was the famous uh, Sparky Anderson telling uh, Gibson that Gossage is going gonna, is gonna to walk him. Yep. And he didn't. And Gossage talked. Uh, was it Dick Williams was the manager at the time? I can't yes. remember. Yes. Uh, said, you know, Gossage talked to me to let me, and Gibson put it over the fence, and the place went bananas. <laughs> so after the game, fans jump on. You know, they're on the field. They're tearing up center field. We didn't go on the field, but we ran up to the center field fence, yep. and these people are tearing up there. And my bro- two brothers and I each got a chunk of center field. They threw it up to us. <laughs> we took that grass home my dad cut out a special place in our backyard planted it there to this day it is still planted in the corner of the yard on piagere street in harder heights part of the field that chet lemon ran on is is it is in the backyard of my parents former house oh my gosh that is an awesome awesome story yes that's going to be probably one of the first chapters in your biography when you write it sure (laughs) (laughs) so i would assume since you've seen the tigers win a championship in person maybe the next one would you like it to be the lions oh it has to be the lions here's the thing darren there are two championships i have not seen in my lifetime the pistons have won titles in my lifetime yep the red wings have won titles the tigers i've seen two tigers world series because i was alive for the 68 Okay. When they, by the way, came back 3-1 against your Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. 
Mickey Lolich went 3-0 and against, even after Bob Gibson had struck out 17 in the first game. Incredible. But anyway, the only two championships I have yet to see are the Detroit Lions and Notre Dame men's basketball. Oh. Those are the two titles I want to see before I die. I'm hoping you get to see another football one. Two football, one Lions, one Irish. Yes, yes. That would be and, incredible. And, so right now, I think I'm closer to seeing the Lions win a world title. But I think with Micah Shrewsbury at the helm, there's hope. Yeah, he's building a I culture. Like he, he's building a culture. Building a culture. He's got three uh, four-star guys coming in next year. I like, you know, he reminds me a lot of Digger in that he's not afraid to get in his players' faces. And, and I think that, I think Notre Dame, you know, I, I think Mike Bray was a great coach, but I think he got a little passive toward the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they needed a guy who'd come in and kick a few behinds. And I think that that's what Michael Shrewsbury's doing. Not, phys- not, not, not literally, but yeah. <laughs> mentally and, and spiritually, he's, he's giving these guys a nudge, a hard one. No question. Well, Terry, March 1st is your final day on the air at WNDU. Have you thought about how you're going to spend retirement? I have, Darren. Um, I, I tell people I've got, I've got a home that was built in 1928. Wow. I've got an old cottage near Warsaw that was built in 1950. I've got a 1967 Mustang that I bought back in college that needs a lot of work. I have an old pontoon boat that needs a lot of work. Hmm. I have plenty to keep me busy and I'm kind of the person who likes to work with his hands yep um and so I I, I will be busy uh, just working in the yard working on my car working on the house and then of course uh taking help helping take care of my grandson uh, we we uh, I got it from three unimpeachable sources that it's a boy oh congratulations <laughs> thank you thank you and my son and daughter-in-law who now live in Arlington excuse me, Alexandria, Virginia, mm-hmm. a month after my grandson's born, are moving back to South Bend. Wow. So, I, I mean, the timing could, you know, what if the Lions win the Super Bowl, my kids move home? I mean, you talk about having a great year. <laughs> it's going to be the best. It's the best, Darren, the best. <laughs> now, when you retire, will you be watching the news every night, or will you kind of walk away from news a little bit and watching it? I'm going to decompress. Yep. You know, I'll 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 keep in touch. I mean, it's in my blood. It's not like I can ignore what's I can ignore what's going on in the community. But I will I will not be every night every show viewer like I am right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, 40 years of doing this, I've seen a lot of pain and, and suffering. I've seen a lot. Well, I've seen a lot of uplifting stories as well. But sure. it, it, it's a grind after a while. And I, I just, you know, I want to be able to put my, turn my phone off and not real and not worry. Is there something going on? Should I have my phone on in case they need me to come in? Yeah. And it's going to be so nice to have that responsibility in my past. Yeah. I can totally understand that. Well, Terry, thanks so much for doing this. I was following Twitter, of course, throughout the season, and I know you're a, a big, big fan of all the Detroit teams and with the Lions now. One win away from the Super Bowl. I wish you and the Lions fan base nothing but the best because me as a kid, my Denver Broncos were 0-4 in the Super Bowl and it wasn't a lot of fun. And when you win one, 
all the misery just seems to go away and all the rough years with the Lions, Terry, would go away if you guys could win this championship. I agree with you, Darren, and I appreciate those sentiments. And, and, and it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Enjoy your show. I don't get to hear it as much now because I'm, of course, working at that time. Yep. But, but uh, I think you do a great job, and, and best of luck uh, in the future. Well, Terry, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate your time. Go Lions, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Darren. Take care. That's Terry McFadden, award-winning broadcaster on WNDU. More Sports Beat is coming up next on WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Six thirty-two on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. Sports feed tonight being brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit betheluniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with WNDU's Terry McFadden. Now let's talk a little more National Football League as we put together today's My 5 Question of the Day, the top five storylines from the NFL Divisional Playoffs. We're going to start at number five. Five answers. This is the My 5 Question of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We're going to start with Notre Dame in the big game. Former Fighting Irish players knocking on the door of the Super Bowl. We are guaranteed to have a former Notre Dame football player win a Super Bowl ring this year. With the Chiefs beating the Bills, that locked it. There were no Notre Dame players on the Bills roster, but... We've got a handful of players with a chance to win NFL supremacy. We've got the Ravens featuring their all-pro safety, Kyle Hamilton. What a dynamic, explosive defensive player, as we all expected he would be with the Baltimore Ravens. An absolute difference maker. You've got the great left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, and also Sam Mustafer is on the Ravens roster. The Ravens. We'll go up against the Kansas City Chiefs, and Drew Tranquil is the lone Notre Dame player on that roster. Tranquil, who plays a vital role in that Chiefs defense, even though a lot of times he does not show up as a starter at linebacker. He's involved in various Chief packages and had a really good game yesterday in Buffalo. Apparently, he caught a snowball being thrown at him by a Bills fan and responded on Twitter. 
I think he might have mentioned that his young child throws harder than the Bills Mafia. <laughs> Winner, go the spoils, right? Drew Tranquil has a chance to get to the Super Bowl. On the NFC side, the Detroit Lions have five players, former long snapper Scott Daly, defensive lineman Chris Smith. He transferred in from Harvard, played one year with the Irish. You've got the Aquora brothers on the Lions roster, Romeo and Julian, and also tight end Brock Wright, who had that big 30-yard reception for the Lions against Tampa Bay on Sunday. So we could have a host of Notre Dame Super Bowl winners if the Detroit Lions get to stand on that stage in Las Vegas after winning the Super Bowl. And the Lions will go up against the San Francisco 49ers. They have one former Notre Dame player. It is offensive guard Aaron Banks. Four. Another top storyline from the NFL Divisional Playoffs. The Bills and Chiefs meeting again. Same old story. Bills win in the regular season. The Chiefs win when it matters most. They just find a way to win. First time Patrick Mahomes has played a true road game in the postseason. Did not phase him as the Chiefs got it done, beating Buffalo 27-24. I thought with the way Buffalo was running the football against the Chiefs, that was going to be what put him over the top. But a couple of plays stand out. You can't blame the game on just a couple of plays, but what stands out was Tyler Bass missing the field goal with under two minutes to go from 44 yards out. Sadly, Bills fans know about this. The field goal missed wide right, just like Scott Norwood's field goal missed wide right in Super Bowl 25 in the closing seconds of that game against the New York Giants down in Tampa. But how about lost in the shuffle? Josh Allen threw a rocket down the field, down by three, and Stephon Diggs, their best wide receiver, had the ball go right through his arms. Could have been a touchdown, a go-ahead touchdown, maybe a deciding touchdown. Who knows? So for all the attention thrown at the field goal kicker, Tyler Bass, Stephon Diggs, one of their best players, did not come up with one of the most important balls thrown to him in his career. And Josh Allen put it in a perfect spot. I mean, it was probably, what, 60 yards down the field? Diggs didn't catch it. And the Bills, once again, frustration in the postseason. I think their fans are worn out, and I can understand it, losing four Super Bowls in a row in the early 90s. You got this great quarterback in Josh Allen, and they just can't get over the playoff hump. They still have not made it to the Super Bowl with Allen. And here's what's concerning about Buffalo. In the salary cap structure, Allen was making $17, $18 million this year. That's really cheap for a high-end quarterback. Those type of quarterbacks are making between 40 and 50 million dollars so you can really add a lot of talent around him with the money saved that's a good thing for buffalo but now they're going to be about 48 million dollars over the cap and oh by the way josh allen's number goes from around 17 18 million to 43 million so now you're basically Going to have a tough time improving this team. You're going to have the same squad with some 
deductions along the way, while the Chiefs, here they are again, one win from another trip to the Super Bowl. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. Another storyline from the divisional playoffs. Lamar Jackson was the lead against the Houston Texans. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Houston Texans 34-10, and the Ravens quarterback was a big reason why. Remember this Jackson guy had a long wait until he got that long-term deal with Baltimore, supposedly was out there on the trade market? Baltimore's glad to have him back. Jackson dominated in the run game, 11 rushes for 100 yards and two touchdowns, and was efficient throwing the football. He doesn't have to be Joe Montana or Brett Favre throwing the football with the team he has. He just needs to be efficient throwing the football, like we've been talking about Riley Leonard with Notre Dame this year. Jackson, 16 of 22 for 152 yards and two touchdowns. First time a quarterback in regular season or playoff history has had this in the same game. 100 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, over 150 passing yards, and a 100 quarterback rating. Never been done regular season or playoffs. And now Lamar Jackson has the Ravens. A win away from the Super Bowl. Number two. Storyline number two in the NFL Divisional Playoff Round, the Detroit Lions taking down the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-23. And for a second straight game, Jared Goff looked like a guy that can win a championship. Remember the Patriots-Rams Super Bowl when nobody could do anything offensively? It was a really rough day for Goff, and the Rams moved on from him. And he has really elevated, elevated excuse me, his game in Detroit. Great coaching around him. Goff against Tampa Bay, 30 of 43 for 287. A couple of touchdown passes, zero picks. Amon Ross St. Brown, Notre Dame wanted him badly. Remember his older brother, Equinemius, picked the Irish. Amon Ross went to USC, unfortunately. Was snubbed in the draft process. Fell further down than he believed he should have. Ask Amon Ra, all the wide receivers taken before him, he can name them in the correct order. Motivation. Eight catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Now, his family, I mean, wonderful athletes. Wasn't his dad like Mr. Universe? His lower body is so strong. You get a hold of him, he is so tough to bring down. At one point in the game yesterday, fighting for a first down, there were a couple of Buccaneers on him. He got the first down. And how about the rookie Sam Laporta out of Iowa resetting the tight end records in the NFL for rookies with a bad leg, still nine catches for 65 against Tampa. Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, a great running back duo. They combined for 19 rushes for over 100 yards. And then Brian Branch had nine tackles and a sack. Aiden Hutchinson, four tackles and a sack. D.J. Gardner-Johnson, Derek Barnes, interceptions. Here come the Detroit Lions. Number one. And finally, the 49ers got away with a poor performance. Christian McCaffrey's late touchdown pushed them past Green Bay 24-21. Brock Purdy had issues throwing the football in the rain. A lot of check down throws. They weren't the same offense. Once Debo Samuel went down with a shoulder injury in the first half, he is questionable for the Lion game. 50 straight games without allowing a 100-yard rushing. That was snapped as Aaron Jones and the Packers went over 100 yards. Lions Niners, it's going to be fun. We'll take a timeout. 643 at WSBT. 
You can make the decision. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 